Welcome to another episode of Playing the Tips podcast, and this is a big one. It's Masters Week. The first major championship golf in more than 260 days begins Thursday at Augusta National Golf Club. Storylines abound this year with 18 live golfers playing in the field, but we're much more concerned with whether any of them can win it. Shallow Cal certainly thinks so with two-thirds of his card made up of players from the Renegade League. I dabble a bit myself, but take a more traditional betting approach this time around. First round leader school returns, and of course, we offer up our Masters Champions Dinner per tradition. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Enjoy. Greetings, golf fans, and welcome to the Masters preview and tip show this is episode 76 of playing the tips podcast and one more week on the beautiful grind coming to you from detroit rock city i am sports guy ty you can find me on twitter at sports guy ty and from ann arbor michigan celebrating a winner winner fried perch dinner shallow cow find him on the twitters at shallow cow golf Congratulations on Corey Connors, my friend. Uh, what are we drinking tonight to celebrate your first outright of 2023? Man, uh, I'm a little disappointed that it took this long to uh, get off the schneid. Um, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but it the important thing is you got off the schneid, which I did as well a few weeks ago. So one each for us now in 2023. So um, not as not as good as if. Uh, Patrick Rogers uh, would have won because I was on him as well as Mr. Connors. Um, but nonetheless, still still celebrating little fried perch dinner. And I told you that I had a little bit of Michigan trivia for you. Okay. So the name of the beer that I am drinking is the name of Lake Superior. That is... The, what the Indians called it before it got changed to Lake Superior. Do you know that name? Mm. I'm trying to think back to first and second grade Michigan <laughs> history. <laughs> and I'm trying to place the Native American tribes in the Upper Peninsula who would have very likely influenced that original name of it Lake Superior. Ojibwe. Ojibwe, gosh, and that's one of the more obvious ones, honestly. But yeah. no, I was I was not going to get that nowhere close. So okay, so the name <laughs> of the lake it was the Ojibwe tribe uh, up there, and they called it Gitchi Gumi. Gitchi Gumi, okay. It literally means uh, like huge water or um, uh, huge sea, basically, as that's uh, what it translates to. So yeah, Gitchi Gumi is the uh, the beer that I'm drinking. It's a New England IPA. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, hazy IPA, I would assume, New England IPA. Oh, yeah. It's it's delicious. It's That's from uh, Middle Coast Brewing up in Traverse City, Michigan, which is on uh, Lake Michigan. Not oh, yeah. Gitchigumi. <laughs> but not all that far from Gitchigumi in the grand scheme of things of Michigan as a state. True. Well, my beer is not nearly as exotic this week, but I am changing it up a little bit for Masters Week. Going with the Dos Equis Lager Especial this week. 
A little change from my true Canadian Pilsner, but again, figured for Masters Week, might as well shuffle the deck a little bit. Because Dos Equis has everything to do with, just screams Masters. Oh, up up and down. I mean, it's it's in the month of May, right? Cinco de Mayo? No, wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, <that's so> funny. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we won't spend a ton of time on the Texas Open postmortem um, because it is Masters Week, but we do need to give a little do here. You said you already went you already went down the path of having both Corey Connors and Patrick Rogers. Obviously, would have been more fruitful for Patrick Rogers at sixty six to one, but still nice to get the W on Corey Connors. Pretty impressive second tour win coming back at the Valero. I got to be honest. I didn't see this one coming. I, did, I don't know if I saw another win on the horizon for Corey Connors because I've been such a frustrated Corey Connors better for so long. What, what I mean, how does this one feel? This one's got to feel good. It feels really, it feels really good. Um, the, what I saw, uh, really what led me to, to Corey Connors was his performance in the match play. Um, you know, he was, he was, his driver and his irons are just humming um, and I, you know, with, with the less than tournament field, I thought that Corey was, uh, good in line to win, uh, this week, um, with the course at San Antonio, um, very demanding, um, track, uh, off the tee. So yeah, Corey, man, uh, thank you. Feels great. And uh, hopefully we can follow that up, get the snowball here, snowball rolling, and just uh, start to pile them on. Absolutely. And good on you for picking up on those good vibes from Corey Connors coming out of match play, because he actually didn't advance from his pod. He was in the Cam Young pod. Mm -hmm. Now, it was for a bit of unfortunate play there down the stretch in that crucial match with Cam Young. But I'm with you. I mean, good play from Corey Connors. Very evident, despite him not advancing, that something clicked at match play. And the thing with that is, is that he got to play some tournament golf, sharpen that sword, and then take off early for uh, for San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll have a little bit to say later on with one of my selections about why I think an early exit or possibly even missing the match play altogether could work well for Augusta. But congratulations, my friend. Always nice to eat a, a fried perch dinner. Um, as mentioned, one outright winner for each of us now in 2023. So that means that the floodgates are about to open. More good things coming, and it starts with Augusta. Hard to believe that we're back talking about the Masters. Every year, baby. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of this tournament. I'm a big fan of this golf course. Um, I've never seen it in person. Obviously, I try to enter the lottery every year. I'm sure you do as well. Um, Multiple members out. of my family as part of that ticket. <laughs> um, yeah, it hasn't worked out quite yet. Um, this is really one of those, uh, like, pull back the curtain on, um, you know, how the how the really, 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 really rich live. Because um, that is some exclusive – I mean, I guess it doesn't even – really matter how much money you got you kind of just got to be um you got to know someone it's uh it's a tough place to get into um what are there 300 members something like that yeah i'm not sure that they even publish an actual number but something close to that right and yeah it is the a really a who's who list of uh i'd say you know of of people around the world but um 
we didn't get to see Augusta on um, any video games when we were growing up. So that was always a bummer. That was kind of disappointing. Understandable, given that, you know, Augusta doesn't even license their data from the Masters tournament. That's all proprietary, but nonetheless uh, disappointing. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to get into a tournament preview and course overview, fully break down Augusta, talk stats to consider weather, then, of course, wind up with tips, piss, picks, and best bets. But before we do that, we've got to dish on a little bit of food because one of the all-time great topics surrounding the Masters tournament, of course, is what's served at the Champions Dinner every year. Wednesday before Masters tournament. Is that right or no? Is it, or is it No, yeah, it's Wednesday, not Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, confused there for a minute. Uh, Wednesday before play begins on Thursday. Defending champion always picks the menu. Um, the, the champion in the year prior pays for the dinner that the defending champion puts on. So we got Scotty Scheffler's menu this year. It's already out. Uh, you seen it? You like it? I've seen it, and I like it. Um, <laughs> that is a uh, – the jalapeno creamed corn is uh, – yeah, that piqued my interest. You know, obviously the meat, um, it's kind of kind of steakhouse-esque. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm in for that. And, of course, a very big Texas flair with Scotty Scheffler being a University of Texas Longhorn, Dallas guy. Yep. Um, I can get behind it, too. But I like that offering of blackened uh, redfish as well. I'm a big redfish fan. Yeah, um, I can imagine that you get a lot of redfish down there, and uh, yeah, man, it's whew. The, the yeah, just all of it. It's uh, it's almost like going to like you know a Chicago steakhouse or Texas steakhouse or something. Any other favorites of past champions dinner menus that stick out to you? Uh, Hideki Matsuyama. When I saw this, uh, when 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 you said we were gonna do these, um, go over the menus, Hideki Matsuyama's was uh, immediately the one that came to mind. So that is uh, that's my wife's favorite by far. We were discussing our Masters menus prior to Champions Dinner menus prior to jumping on the podcast here and reviewing a couple as well. Immediately, Hideki Matsuyama caught her attention. She loves that sushi. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'll throw Mike Weir out there as well in 2004. Elk, wild boar, Arctic char, and Canadian beer, which you know is a way to my heart. Uh, yeah, that Arctic char is a great uh, a great one there. Um, but yeah, I mean, wild boar, elk. I was going to say moose, but same, pretty much the same thing. I'm surprised no bear. And I'm a surprised by that, too. <laughs> Uh, of course, classic Tiger in 98 after winning his first Masters in 97, the cheeseburger, french fries, milkshakes. Tough to beat that no matter what age you are. Yeah. Was it that time that uh, Fuzzy Zeller made his little racist remarks or something? Uh, you know, it feels like that was another Masters, but I could yeah. be wrong. Fried chicken and the watermelon. Country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Fuzzy, man. Hey, he comes from a different era. <laughs> uh, he really does. Uh, all right. Well, before we get into breaking down the course and giving out some of those tips and picks, let's talk quickly what ifs. What if, Shallow Cal, you were to win the Masters tournament this year and you were putting on the Masters Champions dinner next year? 
So, what are you looking at? You're a chef. Give us give us the goods. So um, I've got uh, a list of some of my favorites, um, favorite dishes from some of uh, some great restaurants across uh, the United States. Um, some people that I've um, worked for, um, some people that I know that work there now. Um, it is really a, a testament, these restaurants, um, to the culinary skill of Americans. So with that said, um, start it with the Maud's Tower, which is from uh, Babette's Bar and Buff in Chicago. Um, mainstay of mine for a few years while I was down there. The Maud's Tower is East and West Coast oysters, crab, shrimp, salmon, ceviche, and lobster. Uh, your accompanying sauces. So, you know, a little seafood plateau, um, pretty great. Next, I'm going to go back to um, a an oyster dish, another one, oysters and pearls from the French Laundry. Um, Beausoleil, oh, okay. oysters, Beausoleil oysters, white sturgeon caviar, and a sabayon. Next, um, I'm going to do a bone marrow and short rib pot stickers from Duck Duck Goat in Chicago. Then we'll go to our main course, uh, the Honey Lavender Duck from 11 Madison Park in Daniel Hum in uh, in New York City. And then Apple Balloons from Alinea. So these are, are literally balloons that are filled with helium and you eat the balloon. And then for dessert, we're doing the famous bonbons from Per Se in New York which uh, are pretty fantastic and they give them um, pretty, pretty cool flavors. Like there's a dark and stormy one. Um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool experience there. So that's my menu. That sounds incredible. Very decadent. So you're heavy on the seafood. You got some comfort food in there. You got some excellent alcohol pairings. I mean, I would expect nothing less from a professional chef, but that sounds like a pretty damn good menu to me. <laughs> Yeah, what are you having? Uh, so I debated. We didn't do a master's preview show last year, so no opportunity to do menus a year ago. But two years ago, we did have this on the agenda for the show when T-Mac was <laughs> riding with us for right-click print money. Um, two years ago, I went more with the family recipes, kind of the down-home comfort food cooking. I did my dad's ribs, a couple uh, dishes from my mom, some baked beans, uh, some cream, uh, some corn casserole. So I went a little bit different direction this year. I'm going back to my southern roots for 12 years in Mississippi. Oh, boy. And, yeah. We're going to go back on that southern comfort food train in a little bit different way. I'm going to, for starters, boiled shrimp and crawfish and cold beer, of course. Now, we can throw in you know, a little bit of sausage, a little bit of corn, uh, all the fixings for a traditional low country boil, but I don't want it to steal too much of the show because this is truly you know, a, a first course, you know, wash it down with some cold beers and some good conversation kind of meal. But that could be my entire champion's dinner right camo, there, true low country boil. Camo-packed bush light. I mean, what, what other way would you eat crawfish? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've been to Mississippi, and that's one of the first things I remember at the grocery store, seeing that. And I was like, yep, I know what I'm buying. I mean, truly, what better way to enjoy a crawfish boil than with a camo decked out beer can? <laughs> uh, so two options next. Uh, if you go with the seafood option, you're getting fried, grilled, or blackened catfish. 
I'm a big fan of the blackened catfish myself. Uh, we're going to start it off with a classic house salad, very simple, served with hush puppies, dirty rice, french fries, and fried okra. Now, mm. you, not bad, not bad, right? You go the beef option. We're going to start you off with a wedge salad. From there, a bone-in aged ribeye, seasoned very simply with salt and pepper and to uh, topped with a little herb butter. Oh, baby. And we're going to do that pretty traditional with some southern-style green beans and some mashed potatoes. That's my master's menu. Oh, and dessert, of course. What are we doing Cannot for dessert, dessert, man? <laughs> uh, your choice, a la mode, uh, pecan pie or peach cobbler. Oh, that peach cobbler is speaking to me. Mm, mm, mm. I did see that the uh, peach ice cream sandwiches are back on the menu at Augusta this year, which just sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm a fan of the peaches. All right, not before quite we... season yet, though. Not quite peach season yet. Not quite strawberry season up here yet, either. Learned that the hard way the other day, trying to buy fruit for the toddler. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, before we dive into the full preview, Shallow Cal, what do we need from the people? Uh, what we need from you guys, hit that like button and give us a follow on Twitter at Playing the Tips Pod. Hit that subscribe button for the Playing the Tips podcast. Um, you can find that on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to download the episode. That's how they track us. Give us a little review. And uh, as again, uh, thanks to all of you that tune in on a weekly basis. We really appreciate you. Surely do. All right. little tournament preview for the Masters. Springtime in Augusta, Georgia, really nothing quite like it anywhere. We've got the azaleas, the dogwoods, the world is in bloom in Georgia in April, and it is one picturesque scene to see, both in person, I'm sure, and also on TV. Uh, this is the return of major championship golf for the first time in 262 days since the conclusion of the 2022 Open Championship. Uh, truly a tradition unlike any other, a tournament unlike any other from a trends perspective, which I'll get into a bit more uh, later as we get deeper into the breakdown and analysis. 89 players in the field this year. Your top 50 in ties are going to make the weekend. No more of those within 10 strokes of the lead. Also hitching a free ride to Saturday. That one actually went away with uh, the one in November when the Masters was played in November of 2020. Did not make its return after that. Nobody was within 10 strokes of DJ anyway. <laughs> not that year. That was... <laughs> I mean, that was a coronation by the time we got to the weekend. <laughs> you know, in, in, it's funny you bring that up because really and truly the last handful of Masters have really been without much drama once you get kind of really two amen corner and through. Most most of them the last four or five years have been decided by that point. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Scheffler double bogeyed 18 last year for a three-shot win. <laughs> yeah. Decky, um, he was pretty much – you know, run away at that point. Yep. Um, after he came back with the rain delay Saturday, even, even that little stumble at the end on Sunday, he was too far in front. Yeah. Zal tried his best, but wasn't, wasn't good enough. He did. So by way of previous winners, as mentioned, Scotty Scheffler last year at 10 under Hideki Matsuyama before him also at 10 under DJ got to 20 under in November of 2020. That was the year something crazy like 45 time honored records fell at Augusta and at the Masters when it was played on those softer conditions as a result of the pandemic. Uh, the big cat, Tiger Woods, in 2019 at 13 under. 
Before that, you had Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, Danny Willett in 2016, Jordan Spieth in 2015, and Bubba Watson in 2014 at minus 10. Give us some course vitals, Shallow Cal. All right, Augusta National, uh, par 72. We've got a bit stretched out to uh, 7,545 yards. Um, are we going to see it play exactly that? Who knows? Um, you know, I'm sure you'll get into the uh, the tee boxes and how long they are and all that stuff. Um, but designed originally by Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Jones back in 33. Uh, it has a few different facelifts and changes along the way here. And uh, it's actually pretty wild to see some of the pictures that were floating around of the course um, 50, 60, 70 years ago, and then compared with shots uh, from today. Did you uh, did you stumble on any of those by chance? I did not see those, no. Okay. It's, um, it's pretty stark change. Um, obviously, you know, when you plant trees, they're going to grow. And boy, did these trees grow. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy how, uh, how much narrower everything is, um, compared to back then, um, even though it is still pretty wide, but, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. You should look it up, uh, hit up a Twitter. I think they're floating around. Um, the course is not quite what you see on TV. Uh, the ground undulation and slope is pretty severe throughout the course and the cameras don't quite pick it up and tell the whole story there. Um, so you got your big, wide, uh, forgiving fairways lined with trees, pine straw, a little bit of rough, but it's not really worth uh, noting because it's not really penal and there ain't much of it. Only uh, worth noting because Augusta does not call it rough. Yes. The exactly. second cut. Yes. <laughs> In a very Augusta way. <laughs> um Pine straw, uh, not super uh, penal either, uh, like the rough. Uh, you can pick it pretty clean there. But the real trouble uh, is when you get blocked out by the aforementioned massive trees. This course, very much a second shot golf course. Your fairways are ryegrass, and man, are they beautifully kept. Uh, this, this, this grass just shines on the TV. Um, the grass crew, or the grounds crew, <laughs> mows the grass uh, towards the tees so it grows that way and it kind of uh, kills the run out of the the ball so it makes the course play a little bit longer uh, you're looking probably like anywhere from 7600 to 7800 yards on a on a long day uh, if they're uh, if the course is getting a little bit of rain too your greens are some of the fastest, uh, most difficult on tour. Stimp usually running over 13 here, and if rain holds off, which it doesn't look like it will, uh, we could see up to 14. Um, incredibly difficult complexes, and if you're on the wrong part of the green, real test to get uh, get down from par. Likewise, if you're a bit errant, uh, shaved off, uh, shaved runoffs, and and quick speed of these greens uh, really send your ball away, and uh, it's it's a tough, it's a tough up and down for par from some of these, uh, these collection areas, you can get, uh, you know, you can get up and down if you're in the right spot. But like I said, you know, if you're errant, good luck, you know, bogey is good from there. Uh, five water hazards and only 44 bunkers. Uh, the weather's probably going to be your, uh, a big defense this week as well. Um, Ty, you want to add some stuff, talk a bit about the, uh, the changes and how it will impact these guys. 
Yeah, so the big one, of course, that everybody's talking about is the added length on 13, and yeah. re really the added length to Augusta as a whole, but primarily where it comes in here, 13. Uh, so this is, of course, the end of Amen Corner. It's been it's been stretched out about 30, 40 yards longer than it has been in previous iterations, and I think this is really aimed at trying to keep scores down, trying to kind of counter or combat the modern golfer who we've seen, you know, really the last two or three years start to overpower a lot of your classical golf courses. And Augusta, being obviously a very proud uh, institution, wants to maintain kind of some of that integrity. And, you know, there's really not a whole lot of ways that you can do it beyond lengthening the course. And eventually you're going to run out of length. <laughs> and so you're going to need to start getting creative in other ways. And I think, honestly, that's kind of what they've done here with the changes to 13. Um, this is going to be very likely a three-shot hole for just about the entire field. It's going to be very difficult with that added length to get home into, mostly because of where you're going to be positioned coming around uh, that tall collection of Georgia pines and trying to attack that green with the creek running in front. Um, Tiger Woods probably can do it with a three iron, that big sweeping draw over around those tall Georgia pines. Don't know how many others can or even would want to attempt that shot with that club. Royston! But <laughs> Bryson, Bryson's going to probably just attempt to clear it on the, off the tee. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, something had to be done, right? In yeah. 2017, when Sergio won, I think he hit driver 8-iron twice into 13. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Sergio's not short, but I don't know that Sergio Garcia should be hitting driver 8-iron uh, multiple times into a par 5 at Augusta National. Yeah, that's like uh, when we do our Spider Cup. And we played at a new course this year, and everybody wanted to play. Uh, everybody wanted to play um, the 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 white tees, and I was like, "This is only six thousand yards, man. This is going to be like a you know, this is this is going to be really short." And I was hitting like driver eight iron into some of the par fives, if you remember that. I didn't make any eagles, but I was hitting them, and, and you know, <laughs> little hosel rocket there. Uh, but um, yeah, it's such a huge advantage. And I, I, I agree. Something had to be done. Um, and I'm super excited. I hope it creates more drama. I hope it creates more risk reward. Um, you know, because now that you have maybe what, five to 10 guys who can really get there in the field. Um, maybe, maybe so it's a real big, uh, strategic win for uh, Augusta, I think. It's going to be really interesting to see, too, what that tee box looks like. I heard a great interview with Paul Tesori, Webb Simpson's longtime caddy, obviously now in Cam Young's bag, on Sunday as he was driving up to Augusta. And he noted that multiple tee boxes at Augusta National are approaching 40 yards in length. And so if that's the case with 13, that gives them a ton of flexibility on what that hole can look like, even with the added length this year. So say that, you know, Thursday, Friday, you don't have many eagles, maybe maybe not even a handful, and they want to, you know, create a little bit more drama on moving day on Saturday, get those roars kind of, you know, moving throughout the pines as is typical of Augusta every year in the spring. You might have that option. Again, I haven't seen the tee box. Paul Tesori was kind of saying the same thing, didn't know the exact layout. But if it is kind of in that 30 to 40 yard range, as as many of them are, then it does give you the option to push it forward and bring that 
that uh, attacking style back into play, which has kind of made 13 famous all these years at the end of Amen Corner. Especially if it's uh, if it's going to be raining hard or uh, wind wind blowing against you on that hole. Yeah, and that's going to be another huge factor, what the wind's doing, too, I think. Um, and so that will certainly dictate what, what they do with those uh, tees and where they can kind of move it around there. Um, okay, uh, I'll just touch a little bit more on the greens. These are some of the most pure bent grass greens anywhere on planet Earth. You're actually in the heart of Bermuda grass country in Augusta, Georgia, but with the Masters historically having been played in early April, Bermuda grass can and oftentimes still is dormant in that part of the world. And so wanting to have the best, most pristine, just incredible greens anywhere, the logical choice was bent grass, which is more of a kind of a later season, Midwestern, Northeastern type of blend that you'll find uh, more often. But they actually brush the greens, I was reading today, before they cut them, which gives an even more true cut. (laughs) It takes kind of any of that grain out of the greens. Um, And then also, interesting note about Augusta National, although we are likely to see about 14 on the stint meter, of course, we'll never have that confirmed because only Augusta National knows and and could or would confirm that. Um, Rumored that the greens all run at slightly different stimp and now it's nothing drastic you know you're not you're not putting 10 and a half 11 on one green and 15 on another but based on where the pin placements are uh and what they want to accomplish with some of those angles the greens can run anywhere from 12 13 on the slow end to 14 15 on the higher end on the same day on different greens so kind of an interesting nuance of augusta there how's Corey connor's putt well here man what the hell's going on You know what? Corey Connors is a pretty decent lag putter, and lag putters tend to do all right at Augusta because that's a a skill that's very valuable here. I mean, shoot, if Bubba Watson, Sergio Garcia, you know, some of these guys can (laughs) can win a major at Augusta, there's something to be said about awful putters getting it done some way. Yeah, you know, as long as he's outside of that 15 to 20 foot range, he's good. But get him inside two feet, man, he struggles. Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about for a few of my selections as well. But <laughs> we'll get to that shortly. Same. Uh, any comp courses for you this go round? Uh, Riviera. Um, I, I lean heavily on that one. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, certainly the undulation, the putting surfaces, a uh, lot of carryover with guys that have gone well at Riviera. Although, again, strangely, Tiger Woods, never a winner at Riviera and has obviously dominated Augusta. Well, he dominated every single course. So that's what's even weirder, you know, like that's just, it's just wild that he never won there. I, it still shocks me. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. It's his tournament. I'll throw the memorial out there as well. Jack's tournament, lightning fast, bent grass greens, uh, very similar mimic kind of after Augusta. So a couple good good courses if you're looking at in terms of uh, just general comps for Augusta. Of course, nothing is going to compare. No. Um, so as mentioned, uh, at the top of the show, we've got some trends to talk about for Augusta, this tournament, this course above all else loves and actually fits a lot of trends. Um, very predictive from that sense. You don't often get kind of that left field, 
uh, really long shot winner at Augusta because there is a lot to be said about experience, about form, um, lots that kind of kind of fits a mold here. You take a look at any uh, any trends in particular this week, Shallow Cow. I always um, I always go and look, and then when I'm doing my selections and I'm making my I'm like. I always find holes. Okay, here's a trend that says why this guy can't win. Here's a trend why this guy can't win. And so I try not to um, – I don't necessarily not take them into consideration, um, but I do try to take them with a little bit of a grain of salt and just uh, not put as much emphasis and put uh, more emphasis into uh, – the stats that I'm seeing from a certain player. Yeah, that's honestly why I love golf betting is because it really is kind of your gumbo of approaches, if you will. Um, you got to lean into the trends at certain places, Augusta being one of them, but dangerous to over-index on any one area in particular, be it trends, be it course history, be it current form, be it strictly data and models, but all that's got to be a part of the equation. Um, so I tend to over-index a little bit on trends and narrative and got to fight back a little more. And I've actually probably swung the pendulum too far this year and leaning heavier into the data side. So still trying to strike that right balance that hit us all those outrights in 2021. But long way to say that again, pretty predictive course here at Augusta. Trends do tend to hold and I've got a few I'm going to throw out there for you. Lots of great trends pieces as well floating around golf Twitter if interested. Uh, Dave Tyndall, of course, does the kind of the iconic bet fair trends preview every year. Ron Close with Betspurts has multiple great pieces out there filled with data. Um, so lots of good, lots of good pieces, kind of cherry pick a few and make a little hodgepodge here for the listeners. Debutants, we'll start there. Uh, don't win here. Fuzzy Zeller, last to do so in 1979. As you mentioned, Will Zalatoris almost chased down Hideki two years ago, finishing second, but this is a tough one to overcome. 24 of the last 25 winners also made the cut before uh, the year before winning at the Masters. Didn't Spieth finish second in his uh, debut, too? Finished second in debut, won it a year later. Oh, man. Is he going to win it this year? I don't hate the Jordan Spieth play at all. I love Jordan Spieth, but I've gotten off that. I mean, I used to bet him like twice a month. Thank God I got off of that fucking roller coaster. Yeah, I got some of those issues with another player going on right now. Uh, experience matters around here. Eight of your last 10 winners had played at least three masters. Seven of the last 10 also had a previous top five in the tournament. Um, need a little form on arrival here. Last 10 winners, at least one to, uh, top 30 finish in either of their two previous starts before Augusta. Seven of your last 10 winners had a top five in a stroke play event in either March or April. Um, of course, major pedigree helps, certainly helps everywhere, but Augusta is a big place for it. Nine of your last 10 winners have a top six at a major in one of the previous two seasons. And then lastly, just a few kind of to throw out there in the miscellaneous category, 80 of your, ta- uh, your last 10 winners were top 10 in scrambling going into, uh, for the year going into Augusta, so certainly shows what, what 
portion of a game may be required here. And then all of the last 10 winners were inside the top 30 of the official world golf ranking. So that speaks a little bit to what I mentioned earlier, that very rarely do we see that golfer come completely out of left field to win the Masters. A good golfer will win the Masters this year. A good golfer will win the Masters this year. And actually, that's a great time to pause and ask, even before we get to the tips. Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and John Rahm. We did this exercise a couple weeks ago. If I give you those three of the field, who are you taking in Augusta? Uh, it's the same answer that uh, I gave you the last time. I'm, I'm taking – so this is a little bit different, but it's still the same answer, and I still would probably take Scheffler, Rahm, and Rory um, over the field. But it's a little different because you got the added layer of live players here. So that's a, a little bit tougher. It's a big storyline. We'll certainly get into it more as we get into our cards because um, one of us is particularly heavy on that side of it. I think we're living on the edge here. We might just be this year. <laughs> Uh, I'll go the other way this time. I was with you uh, last time we talked about this. I think, was it for the players that we that we did the top three versus the I field? I don't know, but I think Kurt Kitayama won that week. It was. Uh, okay, yeah, Bay Hill. Yeah. That sounds right, yeah. So I went with uh, the trio as well last time, but I'll go the opposite direction and I'll take the field. Here's why. As mentioned, extraordinarily difficult to repeat at Augusta. It's only been done three times in history. Um, Tom Watson, Tiger Woods, and Jack Nicholas. It's a pretty good company. Now, if anyone's going to do it uh, as a fourth, Scotty Scheffler is probably the best chance, but that's still a monumental hurdle to overcome. Rory McIlroy is now on his ninth try for the career Grand Slam. And at some point, if it isn't already, it just becomes mental. And I'm not sure that he's ever going to get it done at Augusta if it doesn't happen this year or maybe next year. And he just then has to get, he, 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 his Thursdays here, I feel like, are so bad. Majors in general. Majors yeah. in general. If he can just get past that horrible first round. I mean, his his second his runner-up finish to Scotty Scheffler, Scheffler here last year was a bit deceptive um, because he had that ridiculous, like, eight-under round on Sunday coming from over par. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was because and, and, he started so poorly on Thursday. Cam Smith completely shitting the bed at the end of the round, too. Yeah, that was disappointing for those of us with a Cam Smith ticket. Me. Uh, me, too. And then just to close out that thought, uh, John Rahm, I think he peaked too early. You know, this is a big storyline for golfers every year. And a lot of the reason why those uh, elite golfers structure their schedules the way they do so that they're coming into form and peaking not before, but just in time for the Masters. Uh, John Rahm went crazy in January, February, won a couple tournaments back to back, three total to start the year in the first couple months. And really just hasn't looked all that good uh, the last few tournaments. Obviously got sick at uh, the players, I think it was, and pulled out early there, but was bounced at match play. So if you're giving me the option of those three of the field in this tournament this year, I'm taking the field and seeing where it gets me. All right. Okay. Well, I didn't bet Scheffler, Rom, or Rory. So uh, I hope that you are right and I am not. Well, I didn't bet any of them either, so I hope so, too. <laughs> uh, all right, Shadow Cal, talk to me about your stats to consider for Augusta. 
Um, all right. So stats to consider at Augusta. Um, this is a second shot golf course. Um, you know, distance obviously always helps, but here, especially this is a, this is a second shot course. Um, you need to be set up to, you know, to, to, to make par and, and, you know, birdie when you have the opportunity, obviously, um, but if you find yourself a little bit off these green complexes, these runoffs, they are very difficult and, uh, they can eat your lunch, man. Um, so strokes gained approach. Um, I was looking at strokes gained ball striking, um, par five scoring. I think that's going to be a big one for me as well. Um, now that you have a true three shot par five added in 13. Um, who is going to be able to score on that hole? Um, if you're making a lot of birdies still, um, I think that's great. But is there somebody like Cam Young or Bryson or DJ who's going to be able to unleash and reach that into uh, into? So I am very interested to see how that uh, works. Uh, so par five scoring as well. Okay. I'm largely aligned with you there. Uh, there's a lot of key stats for me at Augusta. So I'll break it up and I'll quickly go three primary and three secondary for my primary. I'm with you on strokes gained approach. A lot of casual fans think that Augusta is all about distance off the tee and putting. Uh, not so fast. Absolutely. As you mentioned, the second shot golf course, got to have control of the irons to be able to put the ball on the correct tiers on these large undulating greens. Got to leave the ball below the hole if you're going to score at Augusta. Strokes gained around the green, as important for me this week as strokes gained approach. There are absolutely good misses at Augusta, depending on pin placement. Um, it, that plays a little bit on experience as well, which is one of my secondary stats and knowing where that good miss is. But if you can bail out in the right spot, there's actually a lot of opportunities to get up and down and uh, and even make some scores from, again, the right miss. Um, but you got to have a good, a good around the green game to be able to do that, even knowing uh, where the right misses are. Distance off the tee is the third one for me. It helps, um, but it's not simply a course you can overpower for four days. We have, of course, seen Zach Johnson uh, as a winner here. He is certainly the exception, winning without going for a single par five. But no player in the last 10 years has won the Masters coming in ranked 97th or worse in driving distance off the tee. Um, plenty of holes where distance unlocks a lot of risk-reward, allows you to go at some of those pins. Three secondary stats for me. I'll go distance to apex. This is a great golf course to have a high ball flight. Um, how hard and high a player hits the ball is kind of the definition of this piece here. Very important if you want to hold greens in the right position and you want to be able to attack pins and, as mentioned, keep that ball below the hole. I'm with you on par fives as well, but I'm going to even broaden it and just say you got to score on the par fives, pick your spots on the par threes, and survive the par fours around here. And then lastly, kind of an intangible experience. Um, again, course management comes from experience or caddy experience, uh, but knowing where to miss, when to attack, uh, how to get up and down if you if you do find yourself in one of those bailout spots. Um, and then again, very complex uh, greens here. And so knowing those tees, um, gonna go a long way at Augusta. 
We got some weather, shallow cal, rolling into Augusta, uh, starting the next couple days here. Could be a wet, soggy one. Yeah, bummer. It is a bummer. Um, uh, that's why, you know, I, I have said this before, and I will say it again. I would love to see a rotation on the order of the majors played and when they are played. It's an interesting concept. Yes. I'm more of a traditionalist. I like where they all slot now. I like the U.S. Open on Father's Day. I like Augusta as kind of the rip the top in April. But I'm not completely opposed to that idea. I think certainly you got some flexibility with a couple of the other majors. Yeah. Are you going to be at church on uh, on Sunday? Or are you going to be able to watch uh, watch the game or watch the, 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 the final round? Well... Pending any delays, uh, that's really going to dictate my weekend. Uh, the bigger concern for me is Saturday because that's when the Easter Bunny is going to be at the Country Club for the two-year-old. Ooh. So, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'm probably going to have to rock the uh, the AirPods a little bit of the day. You know, potentially one of the best pieces of advice from Fister was uh, putting the TV. Uh, Bluetoothing the TV into my AirPod uh, because um, I don't know. I hope she doesn't listen to this, but uh, my fiance was trying to clean the house and she was being really fucking loud and I couldn't hear the TV. So I I put the AirPod in and linked the TV. Worked fucking perfectly. It was great. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Shout out Craig Fister. Uh, but there is going to be a lot of rain, it looks like, on the way. There's been a lot of rain in Georgia the first couple months of 2023. 15 inches fell in January and February. March gave us another five-plus inches in a lot of areas. Um, and actually, more than half of that came just last week. So it's it's been wet. It's been saturated around Augusta National, and we got more on the way. There is a greater than 70% chance of rain each day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and they're bookended then by a 40% chance on both Thursday and Monday. So I'm going to go out on a limb. We are we are recording this on Monday night, so a lot can change, obviously, in a weather pattern the next 24 to 48 hours. But I'm going to say we don't make it through a, a Masters tournament this year without a weather delay. Don't know that we necessarily push all the way up and go into Monday for the first time and got to be more than a decade but i do think we're going to see a delay at some point good thing is uh, masters does have the sub air system it dries fairways and greens with unbelievable quickness and precision uh, you can have all the roll you want in these fairways and they will this week um, i mean it could rain 10 15 inches today and we could be rolling uh, at 14 on the stimp tomorrow afternoon in augusta that's not the issue, just the long, prolonged, you know, downpours and showers we got to pull players off the course for. That's what I'm worried about, interrupted flow of play this week. All right, well, let's make some picks, Shallow Cal, get into our tips, picks, and best bets. Did I hear a rumor that you have brought back the return of first-round leader school for the Masters? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> ready, baby. Um uh, well, let's go ahead and start there. Give them to us. It's it's Masters week, man. You gotta, you know, you in after, especially after hitting an outright the week before. Come on, you know, <laughs> just going in and making it rain. Make it rain, Augusta. Little bank roll around, baby. Let's uh, let's go. Let's hit a first <laughs> round leader. Thursday of the Masters is 
almost as much CTV to me, probably more so than the first round Thursday of the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I took the I, day off work. <laughs> probably, you know, like that more than the Thursday, for sure, actually. So anyways, gonna, you know, maybe maybe hit up a local watering hole, play some Kino. Um, you know, if you're in for, for something like that, you know, you're welcome to join me. But we're going to have some first-round leader tickets in hand while we're watching. So, uh, so I'm going to do uh, six guys. I'm going to go through them real quick because we'll get more into uh, most of them um, in our outrights. So there's a great first-round leader market out there. 33s are stacked. So all of these guys at 33 to 1, Cam Smith, Cam Young, and Xander Shoffley. I think there are three guys who profile well here. Xander almost made my card in the outrights. Um, unfortunately, he did not make the final list, but I do have Cam Smith and Cam Young, so I'm riding them, first-round leader and outrights. Um, next up, I think this guy is primed for a breakout. Another one, he's not on my card. I know he's on your card for an outright, but he did make the first-round leader cut at a whopping 55-1, to 1, which is actually kind of low, but I like him for a one-round pop, and that's Minwoo Lee. He showed a lot lately, um, young guy, and he, he finished 14th last year here. He's got some experience. He can go low, so let's see a big round for Minwoo. Next, couple live guys, uh, Joaquin Neiman, who is on my outright card. So I'll get into him more, but Joaquin Neiman at 60 to one. And then Patrick Reed, 60 to one. He played awesome going head to head against Rory um, over, it was a Saudi Arabia. Um, he is, he is a thorn in everybody's side. And I think he fucking loves it so he is going to be here and he is going to be out for blood this week thursday he is coming out and he is firing low patrick reed first round leader 60 to 1 patrick reed t3 at the most recent live golf invitational in orlando uh i thought about him for my outright card i did um for kind of that edge and the fact that he's a past champion he's certainly done it in augusta was it where, where was it? It was uh, Saudi Arabia where he. Uh, where were uh, they? No, it was. Oh gosh, no, it, it was uh, no, it was uh, UAE Dubai oh. Desert Classic. Okay, that's right, Dubai. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that was a hell of a battle. Um, yeah, it I was. Mean, so I and, and he was he finished what sixteen under. Yeah. He can play, man. He's still got it. Mm-hmm. He gets motivated. He definitely does. And he needs that little extra juice, and he's certainly got plenty of it this week. He's such a prick, though. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. I was listening to Katrick and McGinnis the other day, and Katrick has turned into a complete old curmudgeon on live, and I kind of love it. Um, he is just like the get-off-my-lawn old man now about everything live golf, and he was going on a rant the other day about, uh, you know, he's just pissed off because now he's got to cover a stupid story like, you know, 
X, you know, Greg, pick any of them, Greg Norman running his mouth about all 18 guys going on the 18th green if one of them were to win. And Katrick was basically just saying, you know, like, I'm just I'm just pissed off that I have to do extra work because of all this nonsense. And McGinnis <laughs> goes, well, hey, man. We ain't had to cover a Patrick Reed cheating story in about 18 months. <laughs> uh, I thought that was pretty good. That is great. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I like those uh, first round leader picks. I may dabble a little bit myself later in the week as we get closer to first tee balls Thursday. Nothing on the card right now in the first round leader market. Uh, a bit surprised that Minwoo is actually that short, as you mentioned, for first round leader um, compared to his outright numbers. But I mean, a place like Augusta where you only got 89 players and you can probably take 15 or so out of that mix because they're just old guys or amateurs. You know, I mean, that's you're, you're trying to beat like 70 ish guys or so. That's not a he's bad been, number. 55 to he's one. Been getting, he's been getting hammered in the outright market. So when they dropped the first round leader market, I'm sure they were seeing how much action was coming in on him. And so they wanted to, you know, to minimize their position on that and. You know, that's probably why he's got a little bit shorter odds. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to move it over then to the outright selections. We're going to stick with you. We're both on golfers 22 to 1, uh, different golfers. I considered yours, went a different direction. Uh, before actually we get into that, you, sir, are heavy on the live crowd this week you have two-thirds of your card comprised of current live members four of the 18 playing in the tournament are on your outright card not to mention a couple more on the first round leader card why all the love for the live guys when we haven't seen them um you know i never had like any hate for them um you know i i i always just wanted them to kind of come out and say um it was the money it was the time with my family it was all of these things but then you know when they come out with the grow the game bull shit it's kind of hard to take them seriously i have no ill will against them i think that they did um what was best for them what was best for their family and probably not gonna lie what i would have done so uh the live i have no ill will towards them there's some one. There's some of my favorite golfers, uh, and I was really bummed to see them go. So that was really um, that was really kind of what enticed me to come back to the well, um, especially at this course. If it were a different course, maybe not. Um, if this were the U.S. Open, maybe not. Um, so. We'll see how it works out, but I hope uh, I hope we got one in here. Yeah, the course was a key key thing for me as well. No ill will toward the live guys either on my part. I, I really could care less. You know, half of them I have a hard time remembering that they were even on the PGA Tour because they're mostly just old guys trying to collect one more paycheck, and I'm good with that. Um, my bigger issue was just trying to evaluate current form and, you know, nothing that they do fits anything that I do (laughs) in terms of (laughs) a lot of what I was talking about earlier and how I kind of handicap a tournament and break down, um, break down players through those different lenses. But I like a lot of the players from live just generally speaking at Augusta because of how they have performed here in the past, where they performed other comp courses, how their game set up for it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I struggled though because again, I didn't want to over-index, not having really a great way that I was comfortable with handicapping where their games are. But I wanted some exposure, so I dipped a toe with you there. Um, but let's start with your your first guy at the top of the card. As mentioned, we're both on twenty-two to ones. Uh, you're on Cam Smith for starters. I was on Cam Smith last year. Um, I really thought he had it. Um, I really, really, really thought he had it. Damn, it was so close. He's uh, over the last five years, he's third in strokes gained total at Augusta, only behind Rom and DJ, who finished fucking 20 under one year, right? So, I mean, he had to have gained uh, quite a few strokes then. Um, he can putt. His iron and wedge play is superb, one of the best in the world. He's not the longest up the tee, but he's also not the shortest. Um, he's a, he, let's go back to that putting man. He is a fucking stones putter. Um, one of the best in the world. And that's one of the things, the experience here, the, uh, the finish last year, I think he's, he, I think he's ready for it. I think he's, um, He's very honest. Um, he was very honest when he was asked, uh, do you, does he think he's a little bit rusty? And he said, yeah, but I think he wants it um, after having it so close last year. And I think it's, it, he tastes the blood in the water. If he had been playing on the PGA tour, um, he's probably close to that Rory Scheffler Rom category. It's probably him, Homa, JT in that next in that next tier um he's 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 my boy man I fucking love Cam Smith let's go and see that's the hardest thing for me is being able to place him in a tier even because of how little we've seen and what we really know about that competition big factor for me too is the wrist injury and just a little bit of the unknown there I had a Cam Smith ticket last year at Augusta. It was a big ticket because it was a futures ticket. I was on him 50 to one, and I'm still not over the heartbreak of losing that one to Scotty Scheffler because it felt like it was right there within the grasp. Um, and I thought about going back to the well with Cam Smith as well as mentioned. I considered very seriously about five or six live golfers, and he was on the short list. Um, I'm, I'm curious, color me, color me intrigued by what we're going to see from the entire live crew this week and Cam Smith kind of being chief among that group. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in as well with my 22 to one. Uh, I'm going three points each way on Justin Thomas, 22 to one, got seven places on this one. Um, let's start with my infatuation with betting Justin Thomas. You mentioned you got a problem, man. I got a problem. Um, this is bordering on, on your 2021 infatuation with Jordan Spieth because I'm on him a lot. And typically it is these large unit plays on shortest numbers and it never works ever. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when was your last, what number was your last win on Justin Thomas? So here's, this is, I think my issue. This is the biggest problem. I think that something still lingers deep in the back of my mind after missing him at 20s for the 2021 players. I was not on him when everybody caught that big payday at anywhere from like 22 to 26 to 1 in 2021. Uh, And I can't quit. (laughs) I think I'm just chasing that miss and I see him at these numbers and I can't steer away from it. Were you on him at the PGA? I was not on him at the PGA. I was on him at the PGA and you weren't? 
Nope. Oh man. I was I was on uh I believe I was on Cam Smith there too. <laughs> oh shit. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Justin Thomas's game is just fantastic for Augusta. Looking at it objectively, he is a wizard around the greens, um, particularly so this year. He leads the tour in strokes gained around the green. Really good throughout his bag. He's 11th in strokes gained tee to green, and he's plenty long enough here. He's 40th in driving distance. Um, along with Colin Morikawa, he's probably been one of the best irons players on tour in recent memory. They've been his calling card, but slipping a little bit this year. He's only 54th in strokes gained approach, but is improving in that category. Had a weird little stretch uh, end of last season and then into early fall where it carried over. Game was in a bit of a funk. Actually lost strokes on approach in three of four tournaments, starting with the BMW at the end of 2022, all the way through Tournament of Champions in January. Lost another three strokes at Riviera, but then he kind of found something. Gained strokes on approach in his last three tournaments, five of six overall, which includes Riviera. So I think he's turning the corner there and kind of the one piece that was missing other than the very glaring weakness, which is the putter and a true, true glaring weakness. Um, He's been bad, really bad for a couple (laughs) of years now with the flat stick. Yeah. But I'll say this, um, I actually love the fact that he bowed out of the WGC and didn't play the match play, presumably to rest up for Augusta, but also to get in extra time on the greens. I mean, you got to believe Big Mike Thomas was down there in Jupiter, uh, just 24-7, putting, putting, putting with Justin, probably with like six, eight, ten different putters trying to find something, anything. So I'm hoping that that extra rest, that extra focus and dedication on the flat stick pays dividends because with those irons rounding back into form, the only thing that's holding him back from just what I think truly could be another uh, coronation-type victory on Sunday for JT is that damn putter. So he gets that rolling. I think we're going to be in good shape. Never missed a cut in seven tries, two top tens, best finish of fourth. Also... Strokes gained Bones Mackay, uh, three Masters titles on Phil's bag. I don't think that can be understated. Uh, I don't think that can be overstated, the importance of it at Augusta. Probably uh, probably the only better wedge player than, uh, than Cam Smith in the world, I would say, when they're both at their peak, is uh, Justin Thomas. Yep. I mean, he will get up and down for some tight lies like nobody's business. All right, Shadow Cal, back to you uh, for a 28-1. to 1. 28 to 1. Uh, Cameron Young. Boy, what a performance at match play. I think there was one point um, in that uh, in that match against Corey Connors where you texted me and said, I don't think Cam Young is going to lose another hole the rest of the week. And he almost didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the kid is going to be a major winner very soon. It's just simple as that. What a what a performance, man. This guy is a beast. Plays the best in the biggest events against the best players. He's a machine from T to green. The driver, my God, is that a weapon for him? He is definitely reaching 13 and 2. I, I don't see any way that he's not. Um, he can unleash. He's a par five beast. One of the best scores on par fives, which is important. Um, man, oh man, please be on the right side of a hot putting performance. 
hot putting performance. That's honestly his biggest weakness. So if he can get the flat stick rolling, watch out because this guy is a big time player and uh, waiting to break out. So I mentioned that interview with Paul Tesori on Sirius XM and on the course on Sunday. He said a lot of things about Cam Young and his approach to the game and his approach to Augusta this week. That made me just want to empty out the bankroll, and I almost did. (laughs) (laughs) I dawdled on those 33s over the weekend trying to decide if it was going to be more of a a scattershot outright-only card for me or lean in more heavily to the each-ways. And by the time I, I came around to deciding on Cam Young, I had missed some of those really good numbers. But one thing that Paul Tesori said is he was talking to Cam Young and Cam missed the cut last year in his first Masters and basically said, Paulie, you know, I didn't know where to miss. I didn't know where to go when I was in a tough spot. I didn't know all the right bailout areas. And so when we get to down to Augusta in a couple of weeks, I want you to just point and I'm going to hit the ball there. And what Paul Tesori said was you cannot ask for anything more sweeter to come out of the mouth of a professional golfer whom you are caddying for than for that person to say, you just point and I'll hit it there. (laughs) Because as Paul Tesori put it, he was like, you know, I'm a pretty good golfer my own right, but I can't, you know, I'm not a good enough golfer to just point myself and then hit it there. But I know my way around Augusta. I know my way around this place, the right misses. I can point them out all day and night. And Cam Young is a good enough golfer to go and execute those. (laughs) Damn, is he a good golfer, man. It's going to be fun watching him. Yeah. I'm uh I'm 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 excited. He's one of he's he's very quickly one of my new favorite golfers to not only bet but um to watch play. I mean, boy oh boy. I hope they show a lot of him on TV. Yeah, we're going to see some Cam Young this week. All right, next one, uh first opportunity for a team win at the Masters, anti-post bet for both of us on Tony Finau. Um are you on the each way as well? I can't recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's only a quarter to five places, though. Yep, yep. So Tony Finau, a couple of bets at 40 to one, one quarter out uh, to five places. I picked this one up on July 31st. I believe Did, I was the same day as you. I think so. I think we were texting about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those numbers didn't last long. I mean, it was literally by the end of that night that they were had, had been cut to like 25. Yep. Uh, the reason is because Big Tone had just gone back to back at the 3M and the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Both, mind you, played on Ben Grass Greens. Um, kind of hard to believe that those 40s hung around as long as they did that evening after the second victory. But again, I think we were both kind of texting in real time like, hey, yeah, that's one we want. and <laughs> That's not going to last. Yeah. Somebody that we mentioned earlier on the podcast, I think, was the one who got a 50 burger on him. 50 burger, which yes. is a nice number on Big Town at Augusta. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very excited here. His game really profiles uh, really profiles well for this for this course, especially obviously those two bent grass uh, victories. He now has three wins since the last Masters was played in April of 2022. This is a yeah. different golfer. And we were talking about how he couldn't get it done. You know, that's no longer the narrative on Tony Finau. The narrative now is when is he going to win a major? Yeah, right here in my notes. Let's get Big Tone his first major title this week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, fourth and strokes gained approach, sixth and 
in strokes gain putting, 13th off the tee, uh, par five birdie or better. He's third. Let's go big tone. Let's get big tone his first major titles week. Yep, that's what my notes say. <laughs> Top 25 in every start coming in this year. Gained yep. strokes with his irons in every start this year. Mm-hmm. This is a good golfer who's ready to bust through and get that next major piece. Um, real quickly, saw a hilarious tweet from Kyle Porter at CBS uh, either earlier today or yesterday. Uh, he was apparently in the Atlanta air or the either the Atlanta or the Augusta airport, um, but he he was on a uh, getting on a flight with Tony Finau's dad and overheard a conversation that this man and his wife were having with Finau's dad. And the guy goes, "You know, you look a lot like Tony Finau." And he's kind of laughing, Tony's dad, and he goes, "Is that so? Uh, or does he look like me?" And the guy goes, wait a minute, are you Tony Fee now? <laughs> and <he just laughs> completely missed this, the, yeah. the reference there. Um, but he just let him go. And, and he and Kyle Porter tweeted that he the guy he was listening in, the guy leaned over to his wife afterwards and goes, I think that's Tony Fee now. I, th- I think he I think it's him. <laughs> but pretty cool. You're dad. <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey. Uh, you know, props to Tony Finau's dad for uh, for looking good at that age. Dude, right? Not yeah. all bad. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I got a couple here before we get to our next opportunity for a team win. Um, another anti-post bet for me. I'm one point no each way. Uh, this was just truly um, an outright ticket. The last of the great numbers I could grab without the opportunity for an each way. But I'm on Max Homa, 50 to 1. Um, yeah, big ah. number. Big number. Yeah. Uh, I went back and looked. This bet was placed on January 24th, 2023, the day before, before the start of the 2023 Farmers Insurance Open, which, of course, John Maxwell Homa went on to win for my first outright of the calendar year. <laughs> so a little <laughs> bit of foresight on my part to get that 50 to 1 uh, before his win uh, at Farmers. Um God, you know, playing some good G right now, huh? Dude, he really is. You talk. We we just talked about Tony Finau being a different golfer a year on from the last Masters. Max Homa is a different golfer a year on from the last Masters. Um, it just makes too much sense that he would favor Augusta despite his record here. Two missed cuts to start, uh, then 48th last year in his third appearance, finally making it to the weekend. But he is a grinder who plays tough course as well. He's won at Riviera, almost did it a second time, won at Quail Hollow, uh, both pretty decent comp courses. Sixth strokes gain tee to green shows the overall form of his game, plays well throughout that bag. He putts well on really fast surfaces, got to, of course, with those wins at Riviera and Quail Hollow. The irons can get white hot. He is fifth in strokes gained approach this season. Really soft hands around the greens, uh, 36th for strokes gained around the greens, and plenty long enough, 49th in driving distance. Um, I mentioned that key stat earlier of distance to apex. Hits a great ball for Augusta, 49th in distance to apex, uh, so I think it's going to give him the opportunity to attack. Wouldn't be all that shocking to me if we saw Homa go missed cut, missed cut, 48 win at the Masters because that's the type of trajectory it feels like John Maxwell Homa is on right now. So where are your trends at here, huh? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, if I'll tell you what, if somebody's going to buck the trends, though, it's going to be Max Homa. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, one more for me before we, we dip back around to the common plays. Um, this was actually my last play on the card. Um, late ad before the show, uh, one point each way on Tommy Fleetwood, 66 to one. Tommy's got a little form around Augusta, missed cut in his very first appearance way back when, but he's made it to the weekend all five tries since, uh, and got three top twenties during that stretch. Another guy who profiles really well for Augusta national biggest strength of his game is those soft hands second behind JT in strokes gained around the green this year. Awesome irons. Uh, again, always been kind of a calling card in, in uh, for him. 25th in strokes gain approach. Really good tee to green, too, which is a huge predictor of success at Augusta. He ranks 12th in that stat this season. Like Max Homa, hits a very high ball as well, which has helped him attack those pin placements over the years. 38th in distance to apex. And if it blows and rains through the weekend, a beautiful profile for Augusta for Tommy Fleetwood. Um, big question for him, of course, always is going to be win equity in the U.S. because he's won everywhere else he's been. Nine professional wins, including six on the European Tour. It's a big ask to get your first PGA Tour win at the Masters, but, but Danny Willett, Charles Schwartzel, and even to a lesser extent, if we want to extrapolate a little bit, Matt Fitzpatrick at the U.S. Open all got their first wins on U.S. soil in a major championship. So it Louis can be oh, oh, never mind. Not <laughs> <laughs> and he's another one, man. If he had come through and won it, uh, you know, his form would have would have been, I think, three or four straight missed cuts and then a victory. So was, a trend buster. He was on the brink of doing it in 2021. I tell you, man, I'm su- I'm surprised he didn't bag one. I really am, too. Um, has had his chances at Augusta over the years, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy's gone well in majors, five top five finishes. Uh, he's done so twice at both the Open Championship and the U.S. Open, also done at the PGA Championship for good measure. So all that's left is a Masters top five. And if he gets that close on Sunday, I do like his chances here. Tommy Fleetwood, 66-1. All right, Shallow Cal, uh, back on the live golf bandwagon for you and for me with the next selection. Uh, another one of, I believe, both. Uh, I'm a big fan of Waco. Um, I think you are, too. Oh, yeah. Um, dude's a ball striker, man. Um, he, he he can get incredibly hot. Um, and he has gotten incredibly hot before. Uh, comp course. Uh, obviously Riviera we talked about earlier. Um, I think he went 64, 64 and just absolutely blew everybody out of the water and just kind of, uh, boat raced the whole, the whole tournament. Um, yeah, he, I mean, the final margin was only two that year over Colin Morikawa and Cam Young, but it felt like it it wasn't anywhere near that. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was over after the first two rounds for sure. Um, Moves the ball both ways. Very capable in the wind and the weather. Um, has approached play as top notch. You don't have a ton of data because obviously live, but you know, going with my approach and uh, with the live players, it was how does their game, how did their game fit when they were on PGA Tour last year um, or the year year prior, or however long ago. And I think Waco's uh, definitely fits 
this place. Um, he seventy to one, I think, is a is a is a fair number. I was hoping it would be a little bit more than seventy, um, but I like I, I like the seventy, and, and I was willing to take that. I think you got him a little bit better. No, I'm uh, I'm one point each way, seventy to one as well. Oh, okay. Um, also to seven places. Uh, I did not. Oh no, I did. I got seven places on uh, Tommy Waco and JT. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, honestly, when I saw Abe answer at a hundred to one, I thought we might get, as you said, a touch better number on Joaquin Neiman, but I'm not disappointed in 70 to one. Joaquin Neiman is way better than answer. Put some respect on his name. Come on. Oh yeah, no, no, I agree. But Hey, listen, Abraham answer one has won an Asian tour event, uh, already this year. I know Waco's gone well. Uh, I think he was, what was it? T five in Oman, uh, earlier this year on the Asian tour. Mm-hmm. Answer does have a win. Um, and Answer's got a little bit of form and experience around Augusta. That's why I was shocked when I saw him in, in triple digits and in, in Waco sub. But listen, we are also still talking about the 25th best golfer in the world in Joaquin Neiman. Yeah. Um, despite the free for all uh, after after joining Liv, he is still a top 30 in the OWGR. So again, 70 to one for for a player. You know, who, there's only 24 in the world currently better than him. I'll take those odds all day. Um, I like the live anti-hero storyline here. I don't love it everywhere. Um, I mean, I was a, you know this, before Patrick Reed left for live, I was actually a big proponent of Patrick Reed because I think the PGA Tour needs more villains. I'm a bit tired of the shtick with him at this point, all the lawsuits and the nonsense, like I'm over it. I'm tired of Lee Westwood. I'm tired of Ian Poulter, of Sergio Garcia, like all these grumpy old men who just want to complain and bitch and moan. Like, I'm, I'm over all that. But I like a feisty, young, hungry Waco who stokes those flames a little bit. Uh, watched an interview on Golf Channel over the weekend where he really leaned into the rivalry between uh, the PGA Tour and Liv and the competition this week. And again... It wasn't in that very, like, contrived, forced, like, Bubba Watson way. This was genuine, like, hey, listen, I'm a young stud, and I'm here to kick your ass, man. <laughs> like, it's yeah. us versus you, and I'm going to I'm gonna beat some ass. And I, <laughs> I like that kind of villain antihero here. Yeah, Bubba is uh, what the kids call cringe these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good term to slap on Bubba. Um, recent form as best we can tell with Waco, not great in three live events in 2023, only a best of 11th. Uh, but he seemed to be okay last year, I guess, if we can take anything from those, those live events, he had three top fives and four events, um, despite only playing a abbreviated version of the season, joining live later on, still finished seventh on their version of the money list. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, got the history at Riviera. That was a big one for me that pushed me over the edge with Waco. Um, loved his performance there a couple years ago and just really a barnstorming eight under on that Thursday that felt truly dominant. Um, so let's do it. Let me, let's dip, let's dip a toe in the water and get after some live guys. I'll jump on with you. Waco 70 to one. Awesome. Uh, all right. Back to you for an 80 to one. It's gotta happen. At some point, it's got to be Mito week. It is never going to be Mito week. <laughs> Mito week is over. It's got to be Mito week, man. 
We've uh, we've cashed some Mito tickets before in the form of each ways. Um, some pretty good each way hits, actually. Um, when you talk about Mito, the first thing that comes to mind is his approach play, right? Yep. The guy was like top 10 in strokes gain, strokes gain approach all of like the last, you know, year and a half or whatever. Um, despite hole 18 at Southern Hills, he's actually a pretty good driver of the golf ball. If his flat stick can heat up, you know, the variance of putting, I'm just asking for it one time. Just let it be Mito week, 80 to one. Dope. Yeah. Uh, I'm on an 80 to one as well, not Mito, um, but a guy that you mentioned earlier as part of your first round leader tickets. I'm on Minwoo. Yes, Minwoo, 80 to one, one point each way. Lot to like about Minwoo, the player, just 24 years old. Is he winning the Masters in his second try at 80 to one? Probably not. But, I mean, we have seen stranger things like a Danny Willett, like a Charles Schwartzel, um, you know, and there's still a lot to like here. He was T14 on debut last year. Mighty impressive around Augusta to do that. Bit of a wild ride to get there, no doubt. Uh, actually tied a front nine record of 30 before completely imploding with a 40 coming home, uh, which actually caused him to fall outside the top 10 and away from that auto invite back. But did grind, uh, did make it back on merit, finishing top 50 in the official world golf rankings before Augusta. Shown the chops to compete on tour with the best. Uh, he was sixth at the players a few weeks ago, despite that Sunday collapse going toe-to-toe with Scotty Scheffler. And his game really models well for Augusta. He's long off the tee, really, really good around the greens. Uh, much like I like Tommy Fleetwood here, if we do get a bit of that weather, I like Min Woo too. Australian, so obviously no stranger to the wind. Uh, plenty of experience playing in the elements on the European tour, some of those exposed, linksy style golf courses. Actually won a Scottish Open for his lone Rolex Series title as well to boot. Um, and he showed some stones in the majors as well already, again, as a young gun, uh, 27th at the U.S. Open previously, 21st at the Open Championship. And most importantly, got a little bit of swag to Min Woo Lee. That and stash, so, baby. I was going to say, I mean, with that stash and that mini mullet, you got to have some swag. I love it. It's uh, it's way better than my mustache. You 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 can get, grow a great mustache. I don't think that I grow a very good mustache. So I'm going to let Minwoo do his thing. Um, I, I'm actually logging on right now to uh, Bet Rivers to see the number because what it has <laughs> to because you just convinced me to bet Minwoo Lee. He's already down to 66. Oh, you know I what? That. That. That's the floor for me on Minwoo. I was going to say, I like Minwoo all the way down to 66 with an each way. Uh, I don't like some of the 50, 55 outrights I've seen without that each way, but I do think that that's, that's a nice floor at 66s for Minwoo. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll push that button. <laughs> all right. Well, before you do, uh, close us out with your final play, another live golfer, possibly the most shocking of all on your card, Shallow Cal. Yeah. Uh, fucking Bryson, man. Big Bryson. <laughs> Brooksy. Oh, 
can't believe I'm doing it because he fucking sucks, man. He's a YouTuber uh, now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was actually uh, part of my notes in here somewhere. Go off and be a YouTube star somewhere. <laughs> um, but, man, he's playing a par 67, so if he just shoots four rounds of even par, he's getting himself a green jacket. I swear <laughs> to God, if he puts that number up, he's winning. Uh, uh, I'm like 20 under par, right? So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time I had Bryson um, was at the Open Championship, uh, and he was 125 to one, and he tried so hard to get that place. Um, unfortunately, he missed by a stroke. I don't know, man. I just I feel like who like. <sighs> Who really knows what Bryson is at this point, right? Fair. He sucks with live, but does he even care about those live events anyways when he's already cashed a $100 million check? That's also a fair question. Uh, um, You know, like, if, so what do online YouTubers want, right? They want fucking clout. They want, they want, like, that's what Bryson is. Bryson wants the clout he wants to be liked by everybody so what would get bryson 10 million more followers tomorrow or at the end of the week winning the fucking masters and 18 live golfers jumping up and down and celebrating with him on the green including exactly. brooks <laughs> this, this is how he can cement his legacy in the game you know um this is where uh, he can secure his forever in the Masters and go be a YouTuber if he wants to. He can play the Masters every single year from that day on out, right? Why not? He's going to empty the tank in this, and he's going for it. Give me Bryson 125 to 1, full motivation narrative. That's pretty impressive, I will say, to dive in the deep end with Bryson. <laughs> I'm going to probably hang myself at the end of the week. And he's actually, it's not even going to be the end of the week. It'll probably be Friday afternoon. And I'll, I'll be able to cut, cut him off of my favorites list. On, <laughs> on the app. So, Could be. Uh, yeah. so let's, you know, whatever, let's roll Bryson 125. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us for the 2023 Masters Preview Show on Playing the Tips podcast. A reminder, you can see all of our picks for the Masters by following at Playing the Tips Pod on Twitter. Shallow cow, pimento cheese, and egg salad sandwiches for everyone this week. Let's go.